Hello! Welcome, Welcome back. back to another episode of Word. Word. I'm Shay. I'm Sid. And we're... This is a mini episode. We're breaking right out the, the new... New... Segment? Bringing out new... Yeah. We're trying new stuff. You know, what? what's, what's the phrase, the idiom, if you will, of... Um, we're not good with words tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what idiom? You know, I actually don't think it exists. I think I was hoping that there was one that my brain would latch onto it and be like, oh, here's the idiom you requested. Here you go. Mm-hmm. It did not do that. Um, try new things or get wrecked. That's the new that idiom. Is, that is our new idiom. <laughs> try new things or get wrecked. Yeah. You're welcome. Words, words to live by. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to start. We're going to we're going to we're going to try it out. Um, we loved coming up with names for things. We do. Um, so this one we're going to say, which it's not exactly a trope, but don't it doesn't matter. It makes sense. It makes sense. But it's called one trope wonder because we wonder um, in this episode about this, about this one trope. trope. So that isn't technically a trope, I guess. It's more of a social phenomenon. One social phenomenon wonder. It's like <laughs> a sociology a kind of concept, but you know we We're like nerds, it. so we like to uh, do nerdy things. And I'm sorry, nuance. Never heard of her. Never heard of her. No, we don't care. No. We're here to have fun <laughs> and talk about things that we care about talking about. And that's why you're here too to have fun and to listen to us talk about things that we, we wanna... and hopefully you as well care about. Yeah, there so, we go. Um, enjoy this first episode of One Trip Wonder. Woo! Woo! Okay, so to start us off... Sydney, as always. Me, as all. I wasn't going to say anything, but that was all you. You know, I feel like it's better to get ahead of it, to acknowledge it, so that if anyone points it out, I can't be like... Oh, I, like I won't be on the defensive then. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going on the offense. You're going on the offense. I'm saying I know that you always start us off, and I know it's because you typically come more prepared than I do. But whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing. Matters. We don't get paid for this. It's true. <laughs> okay, so um, this first uh, one trip wonder social social phenomenon wonder that we're going to talk about is the male gaze, which. Not the most fun. Um, <laughs> and the sense of, like, seeing it in media. Right. It's kind of annoying. But it's very a very annoying. interesting dealio. And I will say, it's also very prevalent. So, very. if you have probably seen any piece of media within the last week, I assure you that you'll probably it's be able to pick out aspects of the Especially superhero media. Especially superhero media. Or, like, action media. Mm-hmm. Or media that is, like, typically... Like, male-focused? Yes, male-focused, male-centered, and male-dominated. That too. Um, But yeah, so this term, um, the male gaze, was originally coined in 1975, where the, um, there's a film critic, her name is Laura Mulvey, Mm -hmm. um, wrote a, she's a, she was a feminist film theorist, um, and she wrote an essay titled, Visual Pleasure in Narrative Cinema. Which um, it referred to the presentation of women and visual arts and like literature from a male heterosexual perspective, where women are depicted um, as sexual ob- objects for the pleasure of the male viewer. Um, and so, a lot of times in these um, 
films or literature, you know, the men have all of the agency um, and women are often um, passive, dehumanized, and a lot of the time infantilized. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just viewed as like these helpless little creatures that can't do anything. Um, And she, uh, Laura Mulvey in this um, essay, used a lot of psychoanalytical language to suggest that Hollywood films are often driven, driven by scopophilia, which... I had never heard about so Hmm. I had to look it up and it refers to the love of looking Mm. so it's kind of like what is it like voyeuristic is that when you're like out and you want people to look at you uh voyeurism is when you're looking at others and exhibitionism is when you want people to look at you it's like a I guess kind of maybe a a type of voyeurism like I would say it's voyeuristic in nature um and so, like, the love of looking or the fact that people enjoy looking at others in erotic ways like it's inherently Mm -hmm sexual for the most part i mean it's a philia i feel like um not that philia equals sexual but i mean a lot of times a root it does. word it typically does like necrophilia pedophilia Pedophilia. you know it's the it's, other ones that i can't think of right now yeah it's, i feel like it's typically like a kink term as well yeah i mean yeah like i feel like if you have which is with feet like a foot kink is pedo Oh. Or is it? Well, I know, like, I don't know. That's an interesting thing. That's an easy cop-out, though. Because it's pedophilia and then pedophilia. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, like, a very close. Or podophilia. Podophilia. Mm-hmm. That's still close enough. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, But, yeah. So, it's, like, a lot of people, I guess, also, like, a lot of times I feel like movie is movies and like films are like a way of like expression, obviously. And when you haven't had that because like technology has evolved so quickly, I feel like when you're able to look at, you know, people on the big screen, silver screen, you know, and they're like attractive, I feel like that has only ever like increased the scopophilia of like people wanting to look at others, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know, but it's very, um, it's very interesting. Um, uh, Shay has actually read the essay from Laura Mulvey. I have. And she can give you a little bit more information from yeah. her very intelligent brain. <laughs> so, um, I actually have read this, uh, essay a few times now. It's pretty short, I will say, if anyone does want to read it. It's available free um, at a few different locations, one of which is amherst.edu. Um, so, I, a little bit of background. Uh, I have a double minor in women and gender studies as well as philosophy. So, I've actually read this uh, in both of those courses for very those knowledgeable. minors. Um, but, I mean, Sydney did a very good job of giving an overview of basically what it's saying i had good sources so she did. <laughs> <laughs> um i will say too one of the things that this uh, gets at as well is how the camera itself um is used as a means of um kind of getting in to that male the male gaze basically where the camera in film or tv it works as the eyes of the audience um it gives us it shows us how we should be feeling what we should be focusing on and you'll see a lot of times in media especially superhero media 
where the camera focuses, especially on women, tends to be more on bodies and you like might secondary be thinking, sex characteristics kind of areas. Exactly, yeah. And you may be thinking to yourself as well, well, of course it's going to focus on their bodies. It's focusing on the actors and, you know, that's part of the pleasure of those movies. Seeing, like, beautiful men and women in spandex running around, flexing their, like, muscles or whatever. I yeah. don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of most people go to see movies for like the story but it's uh, a lot of times it feels like the story is secondary exactly and i will say too one of the aspects of this is not even so much that it's focusing on bodies but that's focusing only or primarily on bodies or of the pleasure of viewing right so part of the Part of the problem is that it's not showing women as independent agents mm -hmm. or as people with their own thoughts, ideas, actions, storylines, beliefs, etc. Um, whereas with men, you know, it shows them, especially in superhero movies, it's more heroic role. You know, even... Like in Iron Man, you have like Iron Man, you have like what, Pepper, and she's just like mm -hmm. his like, you know, supporting love interest exactly. or whatever. Where women exist in these films for the pleasure and the benefit of both male viewers and male characters. Which I feel like does a lot of perpetuating the like helper kind of mm -hmm. role that women have been like forced into is like you're just like here to tend to the needs to be a helper it's not yeah. like you have you know any way to to have any agency to live out whatever you're doing like on your own agreed and to take it a step further i would say the subservience as well mm -hmm. that not just a helper but not quite equal to right yeah and that's part of the issue um you know i'm not trying to say here sit here and say that all films or all media that does feature a prominent male gaze are bad works because that's not true um you know they might be very good stories it's just that their treatment of women is questionable doesn't necessarily take away from the story itself but it is i think something to at least notice and be cognizant of when you're viewing and to not just kind of watch blindly <laughs> yeah and it's not also saying that like you know, let's say in, we'll talk about it later, but like in Suicide Squad mm -hmm. um, with um, Harley Quinn, like Margot Robbie is a beautiful, beautiful woman, right? She's nice to look at. It's not saying that you can't have people that are attractive in, in movies. Mm -hmm. It's just saying the way that you go about portraying them and like following them, um, that is like a very noticeable trend um, and a lot of times they don't do a lot of, they don't, they don't act, you know, they don't have a lot of like agency and what they're doing. They're just there to help mm -hmm. others. And we'll talk about Suicide Squad yeah. more in a second. And there is one segment too of this that I want to read, um, from, uh, Laura Mulvey's essay. Um, it's in section three, if anyone wants to read along, uh, <laughs> on page 808, that says, <clears throat> In a world ordered by sexual imbalance, pleasure and looking has been split between active male and pass or active slash male and passive slash female. The determining male gaze projects its fantasy onto the female figure, which is styled accordingly. In the traditional exp expositionist role of women, women are simultaneously looked at and displayed with their appearance coded for strong visual and erotic impact, so they can be said to connotate to be looked atness. And I think what she means by that is their purpose is to be looked at. Like the you should be seen and not heard. Like an object. Yeah. Um, like, like, a, like a vase of flowers sitting mm -hmm. on your kitchen table. 
Like, oh, wow, those are so beautiful. And then you just keep on going. Yeah. Um, women display the sexual object is the legit motive of erotic spectacle. From pinups to striptease, from Siegfried to Busby Berkeley. She holds the look, plays to, and signifies male desire. Mainstream film neatly combines spectacle and narrative. Um, the presence of women is an indispensable element of spectacle in normal narrative film, yet her visual presence tends to work against the development of a storyline to freeze the flow of action in moments of erotic contemplation. This alien presence then has to be integrated into cohesion with the narrative. Hmm. So, you know how sometimes <laughs> with movies you'll have that kind of like side plot where the woman's more involved typically a romance plot mm. and you might have people being like oh i wish they like wouldn't have that in there and i've said that before too because i'm like like i don't care about the b plot i just want the a plot exactly and it's kind of because their women are relegated to this passive role right where they're their own thing and you know the man has his own plot going and like also a plot with the woman mm-hmm. but like he is the driving force behind that plot still where she remains a supporting character, if a character at all. Yeah. More so a prompt for him to act upon. Yeah. So. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> um, I saw a, a statistic that said that, um, <clears throat> in 2019, um, 10 10.7% of directors and 19.4% of writers in the top 100 grossing films were women. Mm-hmm. Which is very small Um, (laughs) yeah it's unsurprising in a very troubling sort of way yeah and it could definitely be a reason as to why we continue to see this male gaze because it's like Mm -hmm. you know you have so often men either writing in literature or writing in films like women characters Mm -hmm. and it's so pathetic it's so bad (laughs) especially in like teen movies because it's like oh what a teen's like boys makeup their clothes, phone their phone it's like or like oh my gosh there's an there was an interview mm-hmm. with ariana grande uh-huh on a talk show and the guy asks her if you were gonna be stuck on a stranded island would you bring your makeup or your phone or something like that and she goes is this what you ask people like, is this what you ask guys yeah like you think that's all girls think about Good is their makeup and their phone for, and like I, speaking up against i know because it's yeah. like if i was on an i'm like you really think this is what I think about all day is my makeup or my phone? If I was on a deserted island, I'd bring a book. Yeah, I'd then, bring... Or, like, I don't know. A boat. I don't know. Like, it could be... <laughs> literally, it could be anything. A lighter. But, like, those... <laughs> but And some, so I can make a stick, so make a giant SOS sign. Yeah. And so, it's, like... Or, like, it's like not even off that... predators. That's... Or to boil water. Or to boil water. I'm saying See, a lighter. fire. fire is the way to go. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, he didn't... It's not like he asked her, what would you bring? Right. He gave her two options yeah. of, like, makeup or your phone. He said, it's going to be one of these two, I know. I know it's going to be one of these two. And it's, like, it's not only that, like, he's not, he's just, like, ignorant of what women actually think about. But I think also because of media pushing this, that this is what women only think mm-hmm. about. That, you know, it's not that it's right for him to think that way. But I don't doubt he's been conditioned to think that this right. is what women care about. Exactly. Um, and one thing I want to get into, too, a little bit later is this idea as well of kind of how you're saying you know when you don't have women behind the screen mm-hmm. or as in a prominent role behind the screen um you're kind of left with this male gaze almost by default yeah um and one of the things i want to speak to about that as well is 
it's not even just that they're that men or male directors, male creators are trying to be bad yeah. <laughs> or pathetic or offensive or whatever, but more so because they don't have the lived experience of being a woman. Yeah. They project their own ideas typically created from pop culture that already features a prominent male gaze that, you know, dehumanizes, objectifies, and infantilizes women. Mm-hmm. And they're using that as a basis for beliefs about how women think and operate yeah it's like you can't i I can't say that you don't know like you that you you couldn't do better right but it's like what you have been given Mm -hmm. it's kind of all you know yeah and so like you don't know anything else and like one of the things which this has this isn't necessarily male gaze um related but i think it's a very um interesting story on the importance of female perspective mm-hmm. um which trigger warning slight men- like mention of like murder and oh, we love a good murder and suicide oh um but they i was like when i was i went to school for criminal justice and so like oh wow we're just getting all into our degrees oh my gosh. tonight <laughs> wow let me just pull it out <laughs> my degree um but i was like doing like um I don't know, there's some, like, thing with the police. But they were telling us about this. They're, like, it's, like, an interest meeting. Not interest meeting for police, but whatever. Doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> um, They were telling us about how, like, it's important. Like, one of the things that they're saying how it's important for women to be in, like, these kind of roles of, like, detective and stuff. Um, Because there was a case um, where a they got called out for a suicide. And um, they were in... Um, like a woman had, you know, gone into her car in her garage, turned it on, you know, suicide by what carbon monoxide yeah. poisoning. And she had like written a note on the bathroom mirror and lipstick. And yeah, like a like a like a suicide note I- on the mirror in red lipstick. That sounds so fucking fake. It does. And <laughs> um you know, it like, like it's a just, movie written by a man. It does. <laughs> and it had like all the makings of it to look like a suicide, right? Right. Well, the women officers or whatever get on the mm-hmm. scene. They look at her. They say, This isn't this there's something fishy going on. Yeah. Not because of the makeup. Not because of the, the lipstick. You wanna know why? Why? Because the woman had a shirt on. Mm-hmm. And the shirt had buttons on it. But it's the kind of shirt where the buttons go in the back. And the buttons were on in the front. And the woman would know. And a woman would know. (laughs) I literally got chills. Like, like, that just, like, is so crazy. Because, like, the man, like, she, like, ended up, you know, he murdered his wife, this Mm -hmm. whole thing, tried to stage a suicide. But it's, like, he sees a button shirt and puts it on because buttons go on the front. Yeah. But this was a shirt where the buttons go. Because he's unimaginative. Because he's unimaginative. He's stupid. And he's a murderer. He can barely dress himself. Yes. He's stupid and ugly. as bad taste in fashion. And a murderer. And a murderer. (laughs) But he buttons that in the front and so the women see this and they're like Mm-mm, there's mm-hmm. something and i'm like that's like it's just crazy how like that's such a small thing it's like literally it's like legally blonde with the perm yeah but, like in real life no that's like, and it's that's so a great point. yeah and it's like it's so important to have like obviously this is a different thing but it's so important to have the female perspective because like it's like this is this is between life or death mm-hmm. like they literally like were able to find this woman's killer because of just yeah. a clothing item and to know that she had a killer besides herself yeah right um this was a murder yeah it reminds me or this isn't really male case related but mine wasn't really either but that's okay but this reminds me of something that it's also not male case related of why it's why femininity 
is not inherently a weakness or like mm-hmm. bad or not strong basically like why femininity and strength femininity and strength are not mutually exclusive exactly and that femininity can be a source of strength and of knowledge and of understanding i mean it's it's just it's just a yeah it's just a pool of knowledge it's just like yeah. you know intellect it's like oh you know i could if something's traditionally masculine like fixing like you know fixing my tire my tire mm-hmm. and put a spare on it's like that's not lesser of me like i'm not lesser of a woman mm-hmm. because i know how to put a tire like that's just and added you're also knowledge. not like more of a man yeah or, like, yeah it's just it's just a source of knowledge and to get back to male gaze a little bit more it, it kind of reminds me of how in film a lot of times like it's kind of the laura croft problem right mm. where you have women typically written by men who when they want to show strength or women being strong they'll usually go either one of two routes mm-hmm. right they'll show um you know, they'll try and masculinize her. Mm-hmm. I don't know that's word. Masculinize? Mas- masculinize? I don't know. Make her more masculine. There you go. There we go. <laughs> already and said words. Give her, like, today. more masculine characteristics. Be like, oh, yeah, she's strong. See, she she's sh- not like other girls. She can shoot a bow. And sh- or she can shoot a, shoot a gun. And she has her hair in a ponytail. Yeah. Or, like, or oh, combat look. boots. Exactly. Or they go the other route of, like, think Megan Fox and Transformers. I was you literally know? thinking Megan yeah. Fox and Transformers. Exactly. She's like, I like cars. I like cars. I'm also hot. So don't feel threatened by me. Feel sexy and aroused. Yeah. Like, like, it's just, what? No. Um, Yeah, but it kind of gets back into that a little bit. And and again, I feel, I don't want people to think, like, we're saying, like, you can't be sexy. You can. You can. We encourage it. (laughs) But it's more so the fact that there are kind of those two camps that, you know, quote, unquote, like, female characters who are supposed to be considered strong by the audience mm-hmm. tend to fall into. Yeah. Um, and two examples that I had found of this in the, in an article called The Male Gaze, written by Veronica Young, um, was with Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad versus Birds of Prey. When Sydney sent me this, when she was like, this is what I want to talk about, I got so excited because I love Birds of Prey so much and I will go to my grave talking about how awesome that movie is. Good because I have still I have still haven't seen it. Girl. But I have seen Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, um and how the like Suicide Squad was directed by a man. Birds of Prey was directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. And in Suicide Squad And it shows. And it shows. <laughs> we will talk about it. But in Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn is introduced and the camera follows her from a distance. Mm-hmm. And it's low at her feet, and it um, it pans over it her. It pans up, you know, as she's walking her like butt. Like she's a piece the... of meat. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how they view her. <laughs> yep. Um, with her hot pants on. With her hot pants that on. Do not look comfortable. No, and the fact that she's wearing pigtails really frustrates me. Ooh, yes. We could talk about that, but just Say give me a second. more. Give me a second. <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry. But I, no, I no, you're fine. You're fine. I'm you're so fine. excited. Um, but like as she's walking, it it's not moving at the same pace as her, so you're able to see more and more of her legs and her butt and whatever as it yeah. goes up. And then it um and so like this is allowing um her to be sexualized. Um, it's not even allowing her to be sexualized; it's actively facilitating it. True, that is true. But Sorry. like, no, you're fine. Yeah. Um, by like the male audience which is typically who it is um with an image that is stereotypically seen as like sexual especially like the legs walking um like women don't go see superhero movies i know yeah um, but anyway. like after the scene it immediately shows her like sitting like sitting down mm-hmm. it doesn't show like it jumps cuts to her sitting it doesn't show her sitting down or like getting into the little cage that she's going into and sitting down like it just like jumps 
to her right. being like to sitting down and so like obviously it's showing that like that was the scene was unnecessary mm-hmm. this the whole point right. of that scene was just to see her be hot yeah exactly and i'm not saying that like everything has to be plot driven this is just an observation like everything does not have to be for the and- purpose of furthering the plot mm-hmm. you can have some filler you can have some like sexy stuff or whatever but this is just like this is just what happens in this scene and it's purely for the male case and i would say as well that it's exacerbated by the fact that this is your first introduction to her mm-hmm. right like this is how she's introduced in the movie correct one or two i think one of them she's like she's in a cage at she's some in point. a cage and she's like tight rope swinging around yeah. again being sexy yeah like being it's not sexy, that she's but like a little bit crazy but like in a fun hot ha, sexy ha, way oh my gosh like a crazy ex-girlfriend like oh my god i wish she was my girlfriend kind of crazy yeah way. yeah yeah um and then Birds of Prey. And then in Birds of Prey, it's a very similar um, scene where um, it's following Harley Quinn, except they're following her at the same pace. Mm-hmm. And instead of going up from her legs to her, you know, butt or what head or whatever, it's going from about like her leg midsection up um, to her face. Mm-hmm. As she is walking towards the action, kind of showing her and implying that she is an active character rather than right. a passive one. She's going towards the action. And this scene is followed immediately by another one that serves as part of the story. Mm-hmm. It's like this was this had purpose and it wasn't just like a pointless scene to just like ogle, like ogle. Right. Uh, Margot Robbie. I almost said oogle. Oogle. <laughs> oogle her. Oogle, ogle, all the same. And I mean, I just want to talk for a second too about like their outfit choices and Birds of Prey versus. Um, Suicide Squad, where, you know, she does wear shorts for part of it, but, like, and they're, like, fairly short, but, like, they look comfortable to wear. They're, like, high-waisted, too, which is mm-hmm. another thing I think is fun. Like, in Suicide Squad, like, they're very low-waisted, kind of hot pants. Like, they're a very unforgiving-looking material. They um, look kind of scratchy. They're, like, they they're, don't like, look booty like they'd shorts. Be, exactly. Yeah. Whereas, like, in Birds of Prey, like, they're high-waisted, they're denim, like, she has, like, a little crop top on, and, like, a really fun jacket. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just, it looks like an outfit that Harley Quinn would pick out for herself, not to show how sexy she is, but, like, yeah. just because she would like to wear this. Or, like, in other parts, too, like, she's wearing, like, a kind of, like, a jumper thing that, like, no man would ever pick for Harley Quinn to wear. Like, here, here's an example, said. Yeah, no one would, I she's, would... she's too covered up. She's so covered up, but, like, she looks so cute. And I'm like, that's adorable. I would like to wear that. No, like, the gold, like, almost, like, overall jumpsuit-looking thing. Mm -hmm. But Birds of Prey, too, I feel like it's worth mentioning. It's also more of a... I mean, both Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey are ensemble pieces. But with Birds of Prey, the ensemble is pretty much entirely women. It's female characters. It's female-driven. It's it's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've actually... (laughs) Uh, not there were two Suicide Squads um, so there was one that actually had Harley Quinn in it and the other that did not what? wait I think so right? no I don't think so I'm yeah there's a Suicide Squad too oh two mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 I didn't watch it it had John Cena in it it did that's all it I did. remember but, <laughs> and a shark dude and apparently she wasn't too I don't remember her that much but anyway I don't think she had a big role in it no I don't think so either but my dad really liked that movie. And I was like, ooh, but Birds of Prey was better. He was like, eh, it was okay. I'm like, no, 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 no. no, no. no. I 
had such a good viewing experience with Birds of Prey too. Like I remember there was this one scene where they were about to like get into like a little fight sequence, you know? Get like it was action. going down. And like one of the characters was like, does anyone have a hair tie? And like I saw that in the theater and I like I fell in love with that. Like I was already on board. Then that happened. I was like, oh and it's this such, is my new phase. It's such a small line a small gesture but it's huge it does it matters so much to mm -hmm. show like this is a movie that can actually depict women yes because like i had never seen that i don't think i've ever seen that in a superhero movie before but like the realism of that like yeah if i was a superhero in a superhero little fight scene and i had my hair is gonna whip it in my face i'm like does anyone have a hair tie crunchy i will take anything a headband even a a bandana yeah. i'll make it work yeah I'll make it work no it's um i definitely need to watch it i know i need to watch it but also the fact that she has short hair in birds of prey mm. i think that's interesting too yeah and i did see there's this like there's a thing on tiktok for a while um of people who were putting back back to the pony the pigtails mm-hmm. they were they were documenting how whenever they uh, either it was like a strip club or just a server or whatever mm, when they yeah. put their hair in ponytails they would make way more tips and this one girl was like i always thought it was a really easy hairstyle and whenever like i put my hair in it like a lot of older men would hit on me and she's like it mm. makes so much sense now and it's just disgusting um and gross. um very gross uh another side note that i saw in my research was um that this was back in 2011. Uh, there was a study conducted by the American Psychological Association mm-hmm. that said that the representation of the male gaze led to women inevitably objectifying themselves. So, like, internalizing yeah. it. And that it stated that being exposed to the male gaze led to greater body shame mm-hmm. and social physique anxiety when compared to participants who expected the female gaze or none at all. Yeah. Like, even if they expected just, like, none of it, they still... Um, had less like body issues than when they were watching things or seeing things that had the male gaze um as like the forefront and Mm -hmm. it's just like so damaging like one of the things i remember is this super bowl commercial with kate upton Mm -hmm. it was a carl jr's commercial yeah and you know kate upton beautiful yeah hot sexy she whatever wasn't she like a victoria's secret angel yes and maybe playboy okay bunny something I, i don't know i do not know but she has a burger Mm-hmm. their new burger or whatever and she is writhing yeah just wiggling <laughs> boobs out whatever just looking hot eating this burger and i get it sex sells or whatever but like that would not make me <laughs> want to go get a burger right do like, only men eat burgers now <laughs> i guess or only supermodel kate upton's eat burgers but it was like it's like i just didn't get it it just didn't make any sense like why like this, like this is this is like a clear example of like this is what men wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Men were in that boardroom when they made this. They idea. were like, "Oh, who, who, who? Do I have an idea for you, boys?" And they said, <laughs> "Yeah, give me five, give me ten, mm-hmm. give me your all your money because this is gonna make us a lot of money." Mm-hmm. And then it, maybe it did. I don't know, but it was just like unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. So, but that is the background. That is the history of the Milk Gaze. And one other thing I want to talk about, too, is, well, what would it look like if it wasn't like that? Like the commercial? Or just in general? But, like, if media didn't have this male gaze, what would that look like? And that's what we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah. So, stick around. We're going to get into it again. Yeah. Yeah.
All right. So recently there's been this sort of phenomenon that people are calling the female gaze. Mm -hmm. And you may think, okay, well, isn't that just like the male gaze but flipped, you know, women objectifying men on screen? And actually, you'd be incorrect. You would. <laughs> Um, the One of the hallmarks of the female gaze isn't that men are then objectified, but rather that no one is really. Yeah, and it's just, it's not about the physical characteristics. It's just like about the personality yeah. and like just the goodness of the person. And that doesn't say like there isn't eye candy or whatever, but rather that, you know, men and women are not being reduced as a kind of group. To... I feel like Ryan Reynolds is a good example. Yeah. He's attractive. Mm -hmm. But he's also just, like, really caring. He loves his family. He's funny. Like, it's, like, it's not about just, like, what he looks like. Mm -hmm. It's about, like, who they are as a person. I feel like that kind yeah. of is what the male, the female gaze is about. Yeah. And, like, Birds of Prey is a great example of that, too. Um, you know, it's showing, like, the men in that aren't really being objectified. They're like, oh, my God, pan up from this man. Get a focus on his abs. No. Like, yeah. Show those, like, pecs. Fuck. I don't Flexing. know. I'm not straight. What? what? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Show them back muscles. <laughs> that. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, don't I don't know what women want. That's true. But it's more so also showing women as independent agents. Uh, showing them as people. Mm -hmm. And one thing, too, that I find interesting is that in a lot of these works, both film as well as literature as well as classic art, uh, the latter of which I'm going to get into more in a second, but they all, a lot of them feature more collectivism. Yeah. Um, so more collaboration between women. One good example of that in literature is this book called The Mercies by um, an author. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I remember you talking about this. I've talked about this before in the podcast. Um, is it really the good? They're like in the camp. Um, it's set in a Scandinavian town in mm. like the 1800s, um, and it's kind of about like colonialism as well as like gender. It's where these women in the small town, uh, all the men get wiped out in this huge fishing accident. Mm. Um, and all the women are, like, now having to, like, do everything. Yeah, exactly. Hunt and raise mm -hmm. kids and mm -hmm. And it shows the, the collectivism of that, of women working together, as well as some infighting and, like, kind of um, factions that form within their social collective. But it's all about them, like, kind of working together towards a common goal. Um, was it written by a man? No. Okay. It was, was written it sure? by... Kieran Millwood, who is not a man. <laughs> She's a British poet nice. and playwright and novelist. But yeah. And then one example that I really wanted to get into just kind of briefly about um, kind of male versus female gaze when it comes to art, which I recognize the podcast is probably not the best uh, platform to be speaking about art, but you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> um, so, the painting I'm thinking of, it's actually two paintings. They're both titled uh, Judith Beheading Holofernes. Which, yes, art, talking about art on a podcast, whatever, but uh, that just means you can go look it up mm -hmm. online. So, if you want to know what we're talking about, we'll give you a second right now as Shay pulls it up. Yep. For you to pull it up. It was on my iPad, but then my iPad died, so. Wow, shocker. You know, 
<laughs> I have had it up to here. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. And it depends actually on the source you're using because they're both by Italian artists. But um, one is called Judith Slaying Holofernes. You might also get Judith Beheading Holofernes. It depends. But the first one is by, well, the first one, chronologically at least, was by Caravaggio, who many of you may be aware of. Uh, he was an Italian artist um, present during the Renaissance. And, you know, I'd say he was pretty good. <laughs> He's well-liked, well yeah, You know, people tend to like him, yeah. Um, but one thing about his uh, interpretation of this kind of classic... Is it a biblical story? I don't think so. No? I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> Holofernes uh, raped Judith, right? And Judith comes back later with um, her maidservant, Abra, and beheads the general after he's fallen asleep in a drunken stupor. Um, it's great. Love the subject, you know? <laughs> I'm, I, your girl is like a little slut for a revenge narrative like a woman hellbent on a revenge narrative amazing immaculate love it so, um, female quick, rage <clears throat> the book of judith was accepted by jerome as canonical and accepted in the vulgate and was referred to by clement of rome in the late first century and thus images of judith were as acceptable as those of other scriptural women in early christianity however the images of judith we're far from sexual or violent. She's whatever. But it's not in the current Bible. Oh, okay. So it is kind of a biblical story then. It, yeah. Yes. Hmm. All right. Well, there was another version of this painting that was done by an artist named Artemisia Gentileschi um, that was completed after Caravaggio's. And the two are fairly similar in their composition. They both depict Holofernes, the general. Uh, on the left side of the portrait or of the um of the canvas and he's lying in bed he is on his back he's about to be slain um boy had it coming mm -hmm. um <laughs> and then judith is decapitating him or has a knife or a sword hang on the um the painting to his neck cutting his head off then there's blood and that she is, also has a maid's room with her that is a beheading i've never um, heard of one yeah yeah it does the job but the difference, I would say, between these two paintings are, well, there are a few. Uh, one of which, I think, is how active the women in the painting are. So, in the Caravaggio version, you have a crone, her maidservant, depicted as, like, an older woman whose, like, face is kind of, like, wrinkled. Like, she looks mad and, like, a little bit evil, honestly. Like, kind of like a villain. Um, like, she's she's villain-coded. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and she's kind of off to the side, like she's influencing Judith in her decision. Um, and Judith kind of stands there. Her face isn't really super expressive. Um, you know, she seems just kind of like eyebrows slightly together. She has kind of her hand down a little bit. So she's she not really looks like, annoyed. Yeah, a little she bit. She doesn't have a lot of, yeah, very, she doesn't have a lot of like mm -hmm. expression. And she's just kind of like reaching over and like, you know, daintily almost, like, cutting Cutting his... a man's head off? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, whereas in the uh, version done by Artemisia Janileski, she and the maidservant are both active participants in this man's death. They're standing all the way over him. They're not side by side. They are over him. They have their sleeves pushed up and, 
they're going at it. Um, and it isn't even that their faces are more expressive, it's that, that expressionlessness or that kind of determinedness that's present, I would say, in this painting, or if, mm-hmm. like, this has to be done. Yeah. It feels a little bit more intentional. Very intentional. of, like, he's gotta die, what am I to do? <laughs> I got the sword, I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that also speaks to the collectiveness present in a lot of female gaze, or works which are created by women mm-hmm. showing other women they tend to show women working together collaborating which is like the what is the test the Merce, or the, uh, De- the bechdel test. test it's like women are friends like it's not always just competing over another man mm-hmm. or whatever it is it like, w- like women can genuinely be there for each other and like yeah be friends and one thing i would say too like about yeah <laughs> Um, one thing I would say, too, is that in the Caravaggio version of this painting, she um, she looks very young as well. Like, you can kind of see she has, like, very much, like, a roundness to her face. She's mm-hmm. very fair. Her blonde... She looks very, like, um, Anglican. Yes. In this one. Yes. Um, and it kind of speaks almost to that sort of maiden mother crone uh, type you know, a uh, binary that tends to exist within mm-hmm. uh, Western works of media as well, depicting women. Of you have the crone on the side who's like vengeful, and you have the fair maiden who's been influenced by the crone. Yeah. Um, and of course, the fair maiden is also both innocence as well as sex, coded for that. Um, whereas in the Artemisia Janileski version, they're both just like women. Yeah. They're just they're like just women, probably <laughs> same age, just going to town. Yeah. Killer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and there isn't as much focus on the beauty of the women or how they look when they're doing it. It's more on the act of revenge. Yeah. The act that yeah. they're committing rather than how they look when they're doing it. I mean, if you're going to cut a man's head off, you might want to look, you might as well look good. Right? Well, it's more of a Caravaggio kind of thought. You might as well look good. Well, I don't think, I think, but like I'm saying, like for her, it's not necessarily like her looking good. I think it's like you said, more focused on like the innocence. For the Caravaggio version? Yeah. yeah. It's focused on the innocence and, like, the... I would say also the youthfulness. Yeah. Like, it's depicting... I'm just saying, if you're going to cut a man's head off, you might as well look good. Yeah. That has nothing to do with the paintings. Just in general. Okay. <laughs> just full putting beat, that out there. Full beat. Whole face. I think the point of the Artemisia Janowski one, though, is, like... The it's the dead of night. Yeah. They're sneaking in to cut man's head off. There's no point in looking good. They're going to have to wipe the blood off anyway. <laughs> like That's true. That is true. Yeah. Um, speaking of beheadings, okay. has nothing to do with that. That's a transition. It is. Um, <laughs> let's talk about how men can't write women. Oh in my gosh. Um, you know that is a great transition because <laughs> I would love to behead some of these men. You know, they would have it coming. <laughs> I right. So there was a trend, um, or like a thread on Twitter. Where somebody started saying a new Twitter challenge, describe yourself like a male author would. And let me tell you, these are genius. They're so good. They're so good. The first one that I want to mention, which is like a callback to our last episode. um, Somebody tweeted out, she didn't exist because she was fat. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Which is heartbreaking, but also just like, it's true. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, I don't think I've ever read a piece of literature or like a story that has ever described somebody who's not stick thin in like a good light Mm -hmm. 
Like it's always like a it's always like a negative. It's always a bad characteristic to have. Or even if it's neutral, it may be neutral, but it's never positive. It's never positive. No, 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 no. Why? Like, and the only time I feel like it is ever positive is if it's like an older woman, like mother figure. Mm-hmm. Like it's never like yeah inherently like good at all. Um, this one. And then wait, can I just also read what this? What kind of yes. started this tweet? Okay. Yes. So the tweet that started it all was Gwen C. Katz. Katz spelled K-A-T-Z. Mm. Um, they posted uh, on Twitter saying, A male author is insisting that he is living proof that it's possible for a male author to write an authentic female protagonist. Here's a quote from his first page. My, my, just keep in mind. First page. First page. He starts off real strong. strong i sauntered over this is written by the female perspective, perspective yeah. yeah i sauntered over certain he noticed me i'm hard to miss i'd like to think a little tall but not too tall a nice set of curves if i do say so myself pants so impossibly tight that if i had a credit card in my back pocket you could read the expiration date <laughs> the rest of my outfit wasn't that remarkable just a few old things i had lying around you, you know, know how it is <laughs> Like, what? You think a woman would write that herself? Do you think that's what we think about? Because here's the thing. She's describing herself through the perspective of an outside observer, right? Yeah. Like, if I, if I had a credit card in my back pocket, you could see the expiration date? No, I couldn't. Like it's in my like, back pocket. Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't see it. Like, you could. Like, you were. she's describing herself for the benefit of an outside observer. Yeah. Like, it. it's strange. It is strange. Here's another um, one in this thread um, by Talia Lavin, which I like her. Um, her username is Swords Jew. Okay. Just kind of Good for her. <laughs> but she says, this is how she would describe herself if a man wrote her. I had big honking teeters, just enormous bosoms. And I thought about them constantly <laughs> as I walked down the street, using my legs, parentheses, thick, but with shapely, with big shapely calves, but never not thinking about my normal honkers. <laughs> and that's like, it's funny, but like, that's literally how men write women or this one which is by Kalechi. Um, as she moved her strong cocoa body, as she moved her strong cocoa body gleamed as if calling to the country of Africa. Her chocolate waist moved like an alluring siren, calling me to crash on the rocks of her brown buttocks. <laughs> My God. There's this one too by Jane Casey, author. She was 40, but could have passed for a year younger with soft lipstick and some gentle mascara. Her dress clung to the curves of her bosom, which was cut by her bra that was under it, but over the breasts that were naked inside her clothes. <laughs> she had a personality and eyes. For <laughs> <laughs> this one, which is, like, so annoying because, like, the, just, like, the exotic nature of which men oh my write gosh. women. This one? No, but that one's funny, oh, too. Oh, okay. Um, this one says, by Yes, It's Shayna. She smiled, but I could see the sadness in her exotic almond-shaped eyes. Her scarf was made of light cotton, but the weight of oppression that came with it kept her head bowed in submission. <laughs> <laughs> or in a very similar vein, by um, at Sawdust Bear. Ni hao, I yelled at the slight girl across the street. She whipped around, 
glaring at me with exotic almond eyes as I called to her in the unmistakable voice of her ancestors. Oh my god. Whoa! Or this one that says, She was a gigantic oh woman. Bigger than any woman had a right to be. She <laughs> laughed too loud and swayed her wide hips too much. <laughs> oh my goodness. They're so bad. Like, they're just so bad. And it, but it, like it's so accurate. That's like the painful yes. part. That like this is legitimately this like, is what we've got. <laughs> this is exactly what we got. Like the one that you read about the you know credit card and the butt. Like that right. that, that was by a literal that's, author. That's actually a real one. That is the a rest of these physical were, like, books that satire. you could go and buy. The rest are actually real. Can I read you some more from him, by the way? Because I, I was gonna say I will too. If you if it, you want, take turns. It, yeah, let's take turns on that one because. But just like the fact there that there are like, so many. <laughs> it's all of the ones that we will read is from. Um, it's just like from the first chapter. Mm-hmm. The first chapter of this book. Right. Do you want to go next? Do you want me to? Well, real quick. Mm-hmm. This is the one that we, we keep referencing. This was a, a, a post on Tumblr that was like a joke, but it's, you know, real. The male writer writing female characters. And it says, Cassandra woke up to the rays of the sun streaming through the slats on her blinds cascading over her naked chest she stretched her breasts lifting with her arms as she greeted the sun she rolled out of the bed and put on a shirt her nipples prominently showing through the thin thin fabric she breasted boobily down to the stairs and tittied (laughs) downwards (laughs) and it's like that's like literally like it's it's but it's just like so crazy like this is what men think that they Mm -hmm. should write women as yep this one, again, from the same book as the credit card and the butt pocket, whatever, that said, I blushed on command. Parentheses, standard Southern bell trick, which is not. I don't think I know mm-hmm. anybody who can blush on command. I That's not a Southern that. bell thing. That's a freak of nature thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry to anybody out there that can blush on command, but you're a freak <laughs> of nature. And tossed my hair. Thanks for the welcome. I kept running my finger along the rim of the glass, waiting for him to make the move that I wanted him to make. He kept his eyes on me. I could feel them. And I could only imagine the thoughts that were running through his head. Naughty thoughts. Thoughts like, well, I'm a lady. I'd rather not say. I'm not a prude, mind you. I don't mind the wilder side of life. But tonight, I had other plans. Like, shut up. (laughs) No, you're, this is like. (sighs) Yeah. Nobody's like this. In chapter one of this book. And it makes me want to read this book now. Yeah. Honestly, it, rem- it reminds me of Dark Bishop. Oh, yeah. That's really that. what it reminds me of. Um, another another one we have. Excerpt. Wait, did you read the last bit of this? I'm not a prude, mind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing I want to talk about with that, too, is that this really does fit into this um, sociological theory in women and gender studies, which is about the double bind. So women it's basically a catch-22 situation yes in which there are two options exclusive to each other and where no correct or more beneficial choice can be made so you're either a prude or a slut you're either a um you know maiden a mother or a crone mm-hmm. like the madonna whore complex yeah it's like, like you are a prude um but then 
men want virgins, but then they want you to be experienced like you've had a lot of sexual experience, but they don't want you to be a slut. And a man can have a lot of partners, but a woman can't. Mm-hmm. A woman needs to be a virgin. And it's like, wh- what do you want from me? Yeah. Literally, what do you want? You, you can't have it all. And then this one, um, he, of course, picked right up on it. You see, predators like him, guys who stalk bars and pick up women, are all about dominance. It's a primal thing. They can't lose. It's not an option. If there's a woman who's worth going after, and believe me, honey, I'm worth it, then they won't stop. It'd be completely adorable if it weren't totally creepy. Adorable is not the word I, or I feel like any woman who has been in the situation of a man not accepting the word no would use (laughs) and i wouldn't want to be the kind of woman that they think is worth going after that they won't stop if you say no what you no woman would ever take pride in that also can we just talk about the fact that like the word worth like that bothers me this i don't know if i'm just being like too sensitive to it but like the idea of equating worth to one sexual appeal is also just so messed up and i feel like so prominent in these types of media and this yeah and works for and and especially like perpetuating the thing of like oh they're all about dominance every man's about dominance it's a primal thing they can't help it if they go after you and when you say no like they can't help it is what that sounds like to me and they can't lose it's not an option like these are not things that a woman here's the thing this is the thing that like a woman would think about mm-hmm. in the sense of being scared yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not a thing of like, it'd be so adorable if it wasn't really creepy. Like, obviously, she doesn't think it's that creepy because she just called it adorable. Right. Like, having been in a situation or situations like this where men just keep coming and don't get the hint, yeah. you know? Um, Which is a common female experience. It's anxiety provoking. Yeah. I'm nervous. I don't know how they're going to take the rejection. Mm-mm. Like, or if they will take it at all. Like, like it's I not adorable. A... It's, it makes me scared. Should I give a number? Should I give a Snapchat just for them to leave me alone and mm-hmm. then I can block them? Or is this a place where I'd see them a lot and they'd ask me why haven't I talked to them or why did exactly. I Exactly. Like, this is not like, this is, you're thinking of like everything that's going wrong. You're mm-hmm. not thinking of like, wow, this is really how men is, like men are. Like, this is like a primal thing. Like, it's all about dominance. They like, can't really lose. But like, they go, like a woman who's worth going after and trust me, I'm worth it. Like, mm-hmm. they should go after me. Like, no, don't go after me. Don't and talk to me. Also, it's the fact too that even though the quote-unquote like protagonist of this the main character she's the main character and she's the one narrating this it's still the man who's the aggressor who's the actor who's initiating this who's dominant in this situation whereas she is by nature subservient if he's dominant she is subservient yeah or submissive yeah and like i i wouldn't say in this example like infantilized but i mean the 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 like southern bell like thing mm. that she mentions it's like it's weird it, it's very it's very <laughs> weird but, like this is all about like what um this is the last one that i think is really funny okay <laughs> oh the violet yes yeah of this book um and remember all in chapter one i could imagine what he saw in me pale skin red lips like i had just devoured a cherry popsicle covered in gloss which what (laughs) a cherry popsicle that to me is a little bit infantilizing yeah like like the cherry popsicle is one thing mm -hmm. but a cherry popsicle covered in gloss also i wonder too and maybe i'm reaching for this but the idea of 
it, it's creating this middle image of her eating a cherry popsicle, which is by nature somewhat phallic shaped. Yeah. And I do wonder if it's supposed to do that or if that's oh, just I don't doubt it. Coincidence. I just don't understand why it's covered in gloss. I mean, well, I get because like her lips are glossy. Is what they're trying to say. She wouldn't be as sexy if her lips weren't glossy. What do you want them to do? Not have her have super glossy lips? Maybe that's why I wear matte lipstick all the time. To to drive (laughs) off the men. (laughs) Yeah, it's like my my cross. Ah, Holy water. Throw it at them. Back, you demon. (laughs) But yeah, covered in gloss. Two violet Mm -hmm. eyes. Like Elizabeth Taylor's? Sure. Was she all... Does she have, like, albinism? I don't think people have purple eyes. Well, some people who have albinism... I know, like, red. Well, sometimes, because there is, like, that light blue, like, their eyes may look slightly violet. I've heard that, at least. Am I making it up? Maybe. Her eyes look blue to me. I don't think they're... It says... um, Yeah, it didn't come... The first to do... I don't know. I guess her eyes were the real deal, but I don't think that they... They actually look, yeah, like bright cobalt. They look very blue. Mm-hmm. Anyways, doesn't matter. Anyways. Dark hair curled slightly. And of course, my boobs. <laughs> of course. I had them propped up all up front. Up all front. Up. Propped up all front and center. In a perfect ladylike way. Well, kind of. Okay. Not really that ladylike. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that internal dialogue. I think that's something that I would say in my brain. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Well, kind of. No, not at all, actually. But, like, that's not... Like, he's not doing it to be, like, funny. Yeah. He's, like, intentional about thinking, like, this is sexy. Exactly. And I'm... Would you think of yourself, like, it's ladylike? Except maybe not that ladylike. Like, would you have that kind of coy thought process to yourself? No. 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 I would not. No. And I also feel like I want to read real fast, too. Um, so Gwen C. Katz, the person who is doing our work for us. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's compiling all the work for, for going through the pain of reading mm-hmm. this book. Um, and they say, personally, I think men can absolutely write realistic female narrators. But if you dismiss out of hand the value of personal experience by proclaiming that your writing proves it isn't necessary, then you haven't done it. Mm-mm. And I think that that's what I kind of want the driving message of this to be. Not that men can't write female characters, but when you kind of get lazy, when you try to rely on your perceived notion of what women think or feel, rather than actually having good relationships with women. Just talk to one for once in your life. There are ways that you can do that, but this isn't it. There's a way you could just not even talk to them. You mm-hmm. could Google. Yeah. And you could understand. You just you just don't want to do the work. No. Um, and then also because we have been using uh, their help quite a bit in this Twitter thread. Um, they also, I want to drop their book recommendation. Yeah. Where they say, P.S. If you like novels where the female narrator doesn't mention her boobs even once, here's my book. So they wrote a book. And it's called Among the Red Stars. Um, I know in this link at least it's available on IndieBound. I haven't read it, so I can't vouch for it. But... I mean, I'm really liking this Twitter thread that they wrote, so probably pretty good book. Yeah. So, Gwen C. Katz's book, Among the Red Stars, is actually It sounds so good. It sounds really good. We might actually read it. Oh, oh, we can buy it at a local bookstore. There's one seven miles from here. We can get it out. Okay. So... Um, description, so it says, like, it is a, it's a suspenseful, historical, young adult, um, 
novel inspired by the true story of an all-female bomber unit in Russia during World War II. That sounds so hype. Like... Yeah. The, um... As we've already seen during this episode, I do love an all-female ensemble cast. That's true. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it that does sound for me. Um, the brief... Subs- the brief description says World War II has erupted in Volka's homeland of Russia, and Volka is determined to help the effort. She's a pilot and a good one, so she eagerly joins an all-female bomber reg- regiment. Flying has always meant freedom and exhilaration for Volka, but dropping bombs on German targets is something else entirely. The raids are dangerous, but as Volka watches her fellow pilots put putting everything on the line in the face of treachery, she learns the true meaning of bravery. As the war intensifies, though, and those around her fall, Volka must decide how much she is willing to risk to defend the skies she once called home. Inspired by the true story of a famous all-female Russian bomber regiment, Gwen C. Katz weaves a tale of strength and sacrifice, of learning to fight for yourself in the perils of a world world at war. It sounds hype! It sounds really good. Um, I used to love... um, I don't know if you've ever seen them. Um, These... um, there were these books that were based on like females, um, like in history, like women in history, and it was like, but it was like almost written in like a journal mm-hmm. format, like like they were writing a journal. It was oh. about like there was one about Marie Antoinette. There was one about Cleopatra. Was one about Anne Frank? There might have been. Or maybe um, I'm making that up. I don't know. No, I can't remember um, what the. I don't remember all of them. Um, but I thought they, I used to think, that, like, I read them in, like, mm, elementary school or middle school, and I thought they were so good. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what that, yeah, there it is. Um, <laughs> the Hidden Diary of Marie Antoinette, and there was also one, no, not that one. The Royal Diaries was the series. Yeah. Okay. And there's one about Cleopatra, Elizabeth I, Red Rose of the House of Tudor. Mm-mm. Tudor. Um, Tutter? Yeah. Oh my gosh, wait. This book came out in 2000. That's cool. Anyways. Oh my god, the year you're born. I know. I'm a baby. Little baby. Little baby. But yeah, they had like, um, there's one about um, Anastasia. Oh. Um, Mary, Queen of Scots, Victoria, Isabel. There are a lot of them and they're really cool. I would like to read them again. But <laughs> anyways. Yes. That's what it reminds me of. So, if y'all want, go check out uh, Gwincy Cats. Yeah. Among we might the actually Red Stars. Too. Yeah, we might. It's close. We could go get it. Yeah. And we have, um, just to give y'all an update too, our next episode is going to be one that we've been talking about for a little bit. For a little while. Uh, we are basically doing like a little book club corner. Kind of. Like Dark Bishop, but good book. But good. <laughs> and we've both read it this time. Yes. So if you want to read along before our next episode, we recommend, this might be a spoiler. Should I spoil it? Should I tell them? spoil it. Okay. Um, So go ahead and pick yourself up a copy, or if you already have one, maybe crack it open, of Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died. Yes. And honestly, the title might sound a little inflammatory, but I am also glad her mom died. It it shows. Yeah. Like, I know, like, a lot of people were really put off by the title, Mm -hmm. but when you actually read and you see what she went through it's like yeah it, it, it's it it's sad that she got to that point where she's glad that her mom died but it's warranted it, it's yeah it's not like it came out of nowhere right um but it's really good very heavy um 
but that is what we will be talking about Mm -hmm. next episode or if that episode has already come out then go check it out yeah because i'm not sure what order this is going to come out in (laughs) um but yeah so we hope you enjoyed our one trip wonder corner Woo! Woo! I know I did. I did. Uh, it was fun. Yeah, I had a good time. Yeah, I like deep diving with if you. If you want to see more of this type of content, let us know. Uh, we're available. You can reach us at wordwordofficial at gmail.com or at wordwordofficial on Instagram. Come we follow would, us. We would love to hear from y'all. We would love to. All and of our I, little wordies. All of our little wordy birdies. And um, there is a Q&A um that comes with each of these episodes mm-hmm. on spotify at least so you can i'm pretty sure the ep- the question is just like what do you think about this episode mm-hmm. so that's another way for you to let us know what you're thinking um how you liked it yeah. and we can't wait to talk to y'all next time yeah it's been real it's been real bye bye